You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. We're talking with Dr. Scott Coleman on maximizing workflow efficiencies in the dental practice. Dr. Coleman is an experienced cosmetic dentist and a clinical adjunct professor at the University of Texas Health Science Center at Houston. He has published articles and has lectured internationally on both dental techniques and dental technology. Dr. Coleman, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Well, thanks for having me on today, Phil. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we're excited to talk about this because uh, workflow efficiencies is a big topic amongst all dentists uh, in every capacity, whether they're GPs or specialists or even dental hygienists, for that matter, and assistants. Uh, the whole dental team is interested in workflow efficiencies. So can you give us a brief background on some of the current technologies that you use in your office? Sure, be happy to. Uh, I'd say, you know, the basis of what most uh, practices, mine including, would be digital radiography for both uh, PAs and bite wings. According to the ADA, 90% of practices have moved from film into digital. And so that's a huge you know, move, movement forward. So I think a lot of people are hopefully fairly current with that. Um, I've gone from digital PAs or bite wings into digital pans. And then I went from digital panography into CBCT, which is three-dimensional uh, cone beam computed mm-hmm. tomography. Mm-hmm. I've had that for about the last six or seven years, which has really radically changed my practice uh, in the way that I look at things in three dimension. In addition to that, uh, CAD-CAM, um, CERAC in particular, I've been using since 1996, so you know, 22 years of working with that, and that obviously is a, is a mainstay of what I do now, day in and day out. Um, that's another current technology, and as the materials have advanced with that, uh, it's really made a, a game changer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've used um, a lot of different lasers over the years, diodes and ND AGs. Uh, currently, I'm using a uh, all-tissue CO2 laser that's uh, really changed the way that I view a lot of uh, pretty straightforward cavity preparations and it, it, not that not that it replaces the handpiece. I don't know that it will ever right. get to that point, but right. certainly enhances the way that we uh, look at uh, patient time and how much time and effort it takes in order to accomplish certain things. That's another big piece. Yeah, uh, actually, care- actually, the lasers, uh, Dr. Scott Benjamin, I don't know if you know him. He talks a lot about lasers. He did a whole podcast series for us on dental lasers, which I think there are three or four of them up there now, and we're adding more. And he talks about exactly what you said, what, how it serves as an incredible adjunct to some of the, just the, even the dental hygiene procedures, uh, as well as the oh, restorative. No, yeah, no question. I mean, you know, I think when uh, dental lasers very first came out, there was an awful lot of expectation that we as dentists had about what they could or couldn't do. And I think that for the vast majority of us, we were kind of sorely disappointed in, in what we found, at least initially. Mm-hmm. But I would say in the last uh, decade, definitely the last you know three to five years, uh, there have been some pretty significant uh, improvements. And now I think it's a lot closer to uh, you know uh, what the marketing material tells you is right. you can stake to the bank. So that's a big change for us. And so lasers have become a much bigger part of uh, – of you know what we do here day in and day out. Now you were talking about uh, you were talking about Sarah, uh, Dr. Coleman. What's the yeah. penetration? You mentioned the penetration on digital radiography, which I think you said ninety percent, right. which makes right. sense. And on on Sarek or or those types of chair side milling machines, what's yeah. the penetration there? Yeah, right. You know, right now uh, you're at about twelve to fifteen percent of the market uh, of dentists. You know, there's one hundred eighty thousand dentists in the United States, so. 
a really small number of those uh, have purchased some type of CAD CAM, you know, scanner, mill, combinations thereof. Now, I, in my personal experience in training and talking to dentists, I think that even if you went to the extreme and said 15% of the market has it, I think that of that 15%, maybe just a little over half of those use it routinely. I think a lot of people kind of bought it thinking, man, it's going to do all these things. And then they found out that it really wasn't going to mm-hmm. do, um, you know, and so they've kind of set it in the corner of the office someplace. So I think actively using it day in and day out, you're probably still, in my opinion, less than 10% of the of the dentists use it routinely. Wow. You know, you think more would, but again, the dentists that are not using that habit, it's more so they're not, maybe their staff is not fully trained on this. They don't have the workflow. Oh. They don't have the understanding of the workflow in which you're going to talk right. about. Right. And even, you know, even with the materials, I mean, when I started in 96, we had one material, it was Vita Mark II, it's a felspathic porcelain, and that was the only material that was available. Today, there's well over a dozen different materials that I use routinely that really have expanded what I can do and the time efficiency it takes to do things and what we can, things that we used to kind of say, oh, that's, you know, we're going to send that to a lab. Now there's really not a whole lot that I really ever send out to a lab. I mean, everything's pretty much done chair-side in my practice now. Mm-hmm. And then you have some dentists that have, like you said, a hybrid approach. They scan the, the teeth or they scan the actual uh, impression. It has the material in the impression where they could, where it's scannable, and then they send that out to the lab to, to mill. Oh, definitely. You know, there's definitely a group that just they don't want to take on the responsibility of of actually manufacturing something or, um, uh, you know, taking that and then milling it out and then, you know, going through that process. They just want to prep, scan, put a temporary on. Mm-hmm. and let the lab deal with what the lab needs to deal with. And so that, that you know, that's a percentage. But again, I think uh, for the people that get into it, that's a pretty small percentage. But yeah, it's, it's, it is a number out there that people just don't want to mess with the other parts of it. Yeah. So what goes through your mind when you hear the many claims manufacturers make about how their products improve efficiency, save dentists lots of time? What, what goes through your mind? Well, you know, the, the thing, again, that hits my mind is uh, if you go back to the 180,000 dentists, I can pretty well guarantee you there's 180,000 different ways that everybody's going to view certain problems and how they're going to work through them. And so when I look at, you know, products that come out and they talk about boosting efficiency or time savings or, you know, my, my first inclination is, okay, how, how do I look at that particular problem or how do I look at, you know, what I'm trying, the process that I'm going to use to accomplish whatever it is that, I, that I'm going to do there? And then I kind of break that up into what segments of each piece. Then I would look at what uh, the manufacturer's claims are about how they're going to help me or how they're going to cut certain time or improve the the quality or whatever their claims are based on that. And based on how it would work in my hands with the way that I view things, that's really, I think, the way that everybody needs to, um, you know, uh, take a look at things. I mean, if you don't do root canals, you don't do, you know, uh, endodontic therapy, then don't bother looking at rotary endo because, I mean, it's it's a great <laughs> thing if you do, but, I mean, you know, if you don't, don't, you know, don't talk, bother with talking it. to an endodontist now, so I hear you. Oh, okay. Well, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, so what, what would a product need to have or help you do to make you believe sincerely that that product is saving you time and making your office more productive? 
Well, again, I would look at it and say, you know, in a traditional sense of the term, I mean, if you look at, and let's just go back to, to a CAD CAM piece as an example. You know, when we do a traditional, uh, if we're going to do a full or a, a restoration, a crown, an inlay, an onlay, whatever it may be, what we consider an indirect restoration, then whenever I view that, it's like, okay, I'm in a traditional sense, I'm going to prepare the tooth, I'm going to place retraction, I'm going to take an impression, I'm going to make a temporary, I'm going to then send the impression to a lab, I'm going to have them go through a typically a lost wax type of process, you know, which is uh, a thousand years BC China. So, I mean, you know, we're that, that's a 3,000 year old technique that we've modified, but that's still <laughs> the basic premise of what we do when we do indirect restorations today. And then, you know, so the patient's going to have to come back another time. There's the potential of the temporary having problems, potentially another visit in between those two to repair or place that back on. So, I mean, you look at all that and then you look at how that works in a CAD CAM world where I prep, I scan, I design, I mill and I place in one visit. Well, then, you know, those are the kind of things. So, uh, again, I would look at any of those. I mean, uh, as an endodontist, you can appreciate that. Am I going to use hand files or am I going to use this little rotary thing that's going to really dramatically, you know, decrease the amount of time that I have the patient in the chair? Mm-hmm. Um, that really, really is what's going to, I think, people need to look at. And and for some people, uh, unfortunately, I do think they get sold on a great salesman saying, oh, you have to have this, doc. But the reality of it is if they don't think through it far enough or long enough to say, yeah, that's something I could really use. It's like, oh, he, the guy said it was going to be great. And then they get it in their practice like, ah, you know, it doesn't work or I don't work that way. or right. And so then, it, you know, it ends up just sitting in the corner, which is nobody's happy about that. I can right. promise you. For the most part, the product, the equipment does work. It's just that it's it's not working for that dentist. Oh, um, exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. You know, I, I train a bunch of guys on CERAC. I mean, I, I, you know, I've done that for years. And so when I go into practices, I, I have the advantage of kind of looking into people's practices, you know, uh, fairly routinely and how everybody practices and what's important to them and how they what their workflows are. And it's a matter of saying not that. Uh, well, and again, we go back to it. You know, if you go back to the original composites, let's just go back to that. The OP10 or P50 uh, 3M products, you know, mm-hmm. they were. You mixed them up, you had to place it, and you had so long before it would cure, and you kind of work your way through that. If you look at that process compared to where we are today with composites and how composites work today, uh, you know, as an example of sonic fills, you know, by Kerr, those kind of products where it's like, man, we can do bulk fills in one quick, simple process. I mean, it just makes all the difference in the world. So, yeah, so actually, you mentioned sonic fills. So, <clears throat> I was going to ask you, can you tell us? A little bit about some of the products that you're currently using in your office that uh, you find, you know, really makes workflow smoother, more efficient. And, and how are these products helping you and your staff? And for instance, like like you mentioned, uh, doing a uh, restorative procedure with a composite. Oh, sure. Well, uh, you know, and again, Sonic Fill's a, a prime example of that. You know, Sonic Fill uh, came out, uh, I'm going to guess, six or seven years ago, and it's on its third iteration at this particular junction. But... Instead of, you know, when we very first started doing composites, we went through a layering process and a liner and, you know, whole sequential steps and how much time it takes to cure each layer because of contraction issues. And then we kind of moved into a bulk fill category, but you still had to place a liner. And now you're in a category where one true single increment material can do all that and you don't have any voids and the contractions uh, stresses aren't there. So in a typical and again, you can take a typical class two restoration. 
uh, normally in a, in a more traditional sense of how long it would take you to do that, you know, you're going to spend a good at least 10 or 15 minutes just layering things in and curing and kind of working your way up in two millimeter increments or whatever you may choose to do to sculpt it and get it just right. With Sonic Fill, in, in literally less than five seconds, you fill the whole thing and then you can sculpt it and cure it. And, you know, in 40 seconds worth of cure, you're done. So, I mean, it makes it, you know, so, so if composites are a big part, which for most people, posterior composites in general practitioners hands, you know, that comprises a certain segment of their day-to-day routine. Well, if you can have a, you know, a good 70 or 80% savings in time, and let me, let me reemphasize this. People say, oh, well, I, you know, that means I'm going to do more procedures in a day. Well, that's one way of looking at it. But I think the key to it is think about your patient. They do not want to be in that chair one second longer than they absolutely have to be. I can promise you that. Absolutely. So the quicker that you can get them in and whether you prep it, you know, use anesthesia and use a traditional drill or whatever to remove whatever it is you're going to do and then fill it and get them out of there. Every 30 seconds, every 15 or 20 or 30 or a minute that you can save, believe me, they're going to be very appreciative of that. It's up to Sonicfill 3 now, is it not? Right. Yeah, it's gone through, you know, it started out with Sonic, just the original Sonic fill. Right. And then they, they made improvements. Now, now the, the handpiece is made by uh, Cabo. Mm-hmm. The handpiece itself has never changed. Uh, it's really just the formulation in the, the, the composite itself is what they've kind of constantly improved. It went from Sonic fill to Sonic fill 2, which was an improvement over the original. And then about, oh, I'm going to say, Phil, eight weeks ago, they released Sonic fill 3. Mm-hmm. which is, again, is their latest, you know, iteration of that, which, you know, polishes better, all these, they, they're steadily improving the physical properties. But the, the core value is exactly the same. I mean, it's the same hand that, piece. that material is sold um, from Kerr? Yeah, Cavo Kerr. It's okay. a Kerr product. Right. Uh, you know, they make a, an anterior, or when I say an anterior, they make a more traditional composite called Harmonize, which is anterior posterior. And then the Sonic Fill is primarily, it only comes in, five shades it's primarily posterior but it's a bulk fill posterior that you don't have to use a flowable you don't have to do you know a lot of things that other that other bulk fills typically uh, kind and, of force and without layering you could get a solid structure of, of restorative material at the end of the day when you like cure without any layering with that material oh completely yes totally i mean mm-hmm. it's and again people go oh you came i said trust me you know get the guy out let him let you play with it for a while, but you'll find that it dramatically will improve the efficiency and time effort that it takes in your practice in order just to place. And again, just traditional class one, two, three, four buildups, whatever you normally do in a composite world, it will certainly help that out. How does Sonicville 3 integrate into your office um, and help you with your CEREC restorations? Well, you know, say, for instance, that you are going to do more of a traditional cement retained uh, type restoration, you know, uh, which is what we're all kind of trained in dental school to do, you know, 360 degree, about four millimeters, uh, you know, uh, all the way around the the tooth uh, um, so that you get retention, you know, uh, resistance forms. If you're going to do that, if you're taking an old PVC off and that's the form that you have, so you can't really shift dramatically over to more of a bonded type restoration, which is what we're doing today. So you need to build it up. Well, you can use traditional buildup materials, but in my practice, because the Sonic feels so much quicker and I can cure up to five millimeters at a time, you know, I just use Sonic fill. So uh, it really, it really expedites 
my buildup process if mm-hmm. I am going to do, you know, that type of uh, preparation. So and as an endodontist that I'm retired, it's the same thing with a post and core buildup, I guess. You can do it bulk fill exactly. you know, right over a post. And the sonic, exactly. the sonic energy is, is what prevents the voids? Yes. It's like, you know, if you think in dental school, whenever you took some plaster and you put it on a vibrator and it, you know, you're mixing it up and all these bubbles come to the top. And then you take it out and you go to pour your impression. And so as you you hold it down and the sonic energy allows the the material to flow, you know, into all the nooks and crannies around the impression material, same type of process or same type of physics that are involved with this. Mm -hmm. You place it in there. The sonic energy basically takes it from about an 87 percent filled, almost liquefies it, not completely, but almost so that it just completely flows into every nook and cranny. And then as you, you remove the energy, you take your foot off the pedal, it trans, it goes back to its basically 87-filled uh, uh, form. So then you can sculpt and mold it and cure it, and, and you're done. So that's really the, the, the genius of that particular process. It's just taking the sonic energy and using it, you know, in a, in a little different uh, modality than what we've been used to. So it's almost like you, you can control the viscosity so to flow into the preparation, and you want to change the viscosity to sculpt. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah. let me ask you this as we wrap up this podcast. This was great information, Dr. Coleman. Really enjoyed it. Um, my last question is, what is your advice to help eliminate post-op sensitivity and avoid that dreaded second visit because a patient comes back with a sensitivity issue? Yeah, well, you know, a lot of times it doesn't matter whether you're doing it. Today, in today's world of general practitioners, you know, what we typically do are bonding processes, whether it's composite restorations or crowns or, I mean, you know, virtually everything we do has some degree of bonding component to it. And if you go through and say, man, I've done this great crown or I've done this great filling, and then two days later the patient comes back in because it hurts or it's hot or cold or that's, you know, that shot, whatever efficiency that you had in placement, is thrown out the window if you've got to see that patient a second time. So you really, you know, in my mind, the key to that, the true key to that is actually your bonding protocol. Uh, you know, how you go about doing that. Understand the bonding materials that are out there today. Whatever, there's over 120 of them. So kind of pick your, kind of pick your poison if you want to. But, yeah. you know, understand you're using a universal, you're using a seventh generation, you're using a, selective etch or, you know, whatever it may be, because it's it's out there and, and you need to really hone in on what is going to work in your hands. But make sure you follow that, you know, precisely. And if you really get everything sealed up like it should and, and everything's done, fill it like you want to make sure the occlusion's right. I mean, you really today's world should not have post-operative sensitivity unless as an endodontist, you will appreciate this, right. unless the tooth is kind of heading south in the first place. Right. <laughs> you I mean, if you, if, you determine, <laughs> if you determine an irreversible pulpitis, there's no bonding agent in the world that's going to take you out of that. that. Exactly, exactly. So and you what, and I both – yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and you and I both know that that sometimes is a hard thing to, you know, pick and choose which one's going to blow up on you and which one's not. But hopefully yeah, you can get it down to where it's not going to be that often. Right. You just want to avoid doing the whole procedure if you're in doubt. You just want to hold off until you're certain that you don't think that patient has irreversible pulpitis. It's a tongue twister. So Exactly. So the the sensitivity issue, the post-op sensitivity, you're saying that you, you avoid these issues by choosing the right bonding agents for the right uh, procedure and also obviously carefully following the manufacturer's instructions as far as placing it, right? No and, question. Okay. No question. And, and, and what's the best way to determine what, what bonding agent to use? 
because there's so many out. You mentioned there's 120 out there. So how does it? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, the, well, today, you know, the manufacturers, in all honesty, have really gotten fairly even playing as far as you know working things out. They've moved from first generation through seventh. They kind of stopped calling it generations after seven, and now everything's called a universal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in my mind, pick one of the, pick a Kerr or a 3M or, you know, one of the big boys that's been out there for a while that has the research behind them. I understand and say, you know, what do I like? Do I like the color, the feel? Do I like uni dose or out of a bottle? I mean, you know, because assistants and everybody have a little different feel for it. Mm-hmm. Understand what, what process is going to work best in your hands. Really get that down. One of the keys to it, in all honesty, doesn't matter which one you're using, is make sure that you have moist dentin. You don't want it dry. You don't want it wet. You want moist. That always in any of the bonding agents is going to help in the retentive and sealing factors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just kind of go through that. Moist dentin. Make sure that you blow off all the uh, solvent. You know, air it down real good. Cure it before you apply any of the, you know, composites or anything else. I mean, just a sequential little steps. Mm-hmm. And really, if you follow those through, I mean, you know, you really should not. There's no reason for you to have any type of sensitivity unless it, the tooth is, you know, in an irreversible mode and you just kind of stir the hornet's nest a little bit. But right. that's yeah. a different story. No, fantastic know. information, uh, Dr. Coleman. Do you, do you teach uh, tr- anywhere in the country, like at a teaching facility to, to other dentists, hands-on courses that you want to talk about? Yeah. Yeah, well, we do. You know, uh, we uh, uh, I get uh, probably do a hands-on course. Uh, I'm going to say at least once or twice a month um, around the country, different different locations. Uh, Kerr uh, typically sets those up. I also work with um, the uh, Serac Doctors Group out in Scottsdale. I go out there about once a quarter and help help them out with some of their Serac courses. If one of our listeners were interested in finding out about those courses, where do they go? I think the the quickest and easiest way would be to go to the Kerr website, mm-hmm. and they have a, a a learning section that you can click on, and it has every course that they give uh, and who's presenting it. Kerr does a little over 300 CE courses a year, so there's always something somewhere. But yeah, you can just look me up. I mean, I'm okay. I'm there at least a couple of times a month someplace. Yeah, Cable Kerr is very interested in continuing education, professional development. They do webinars with Viva Learning. They sponsor them and and they bring on great speakers. Uh actually great great speakers and great podcast speakers like Scott Coleman. <laughs> well, so, thank uh, you. Phil. I appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate having you on, Dr. Coleman, and hopefully hopefully we could uh get you on some more of these podcasts in the future. It was it was a lot of fun. Well, love to. Anytime I can help out, just let me know. Okay, thank you so much.